0: Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. Wow.
1: Yeah, we love you, Liz. <laughs> Just putting that on the table. We appreciate you. We don't tell you that enough, but you're a real blessing to us. <laughs> and... Uh, Wow, I was, I was really uh, enjoying the presence of the Lord during the praise and worship. That was, that was beautiful. Um, I'm not going to go through uh, a lot of information, you know, context leading in, because the Lord has prepared a message for you that, that will really bless you. Because <laughs> God is so good. Amen? He is. And he loved us so much, he would allow his son Jesus to leave glory and come down here, knowing that the cross awaited. But that was his plan. And he is sovereign. And Jesus obeyed. He was obedient, obedient even unto death, death upon a cross. And he suffered, died, and on the third day, what happened? <laughs> he rose again, right? That's right. You know what? When we think about that, when we think about what Jesus did, it's, it's so encouraging and so inspiring for us to carry that into our everyday lives. There shouldn't be any day that it's just a ho-hum, boring day because you're a child of God. You know what? Jesus loved you and he willingly laid down his life at the cross for you so that you could have eternal life. Do you believe that? Yeah. Well, that's the truth, <laughs> hallelujah. So what we're gonna look at tonight is uh, what's, what we're gonna call a preview of grace. And, uh, there's, there's a story, it's in the Gospel of John, it's uh, John chapter 8, we're just going to go through verses 1 through 12, and this is a familiar story, but the Lord's going to give us a little insight tonight, hallelujah, can we praise the Lord for that? So, uh, again, Gospel of John chapter 8, and, and a lot of you are familiar with this story, but we're going to see what the Lord does with this. So, I'm just going to read it, okay? I'm going to read through, then I'll go back, and then I'll just teach from that. How's that sound? And everyone went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. Hmm, what do you say? This they said, testing Jesus, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first, and again, He stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw that no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, Where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life hallelujah father we thank you for your word we give you this time lord we pray that your holy spirit will continue to move and minister and and to give us insight glorious insight lord so that we are encouraged and inspired and blessed lord we pray your favor and blessing on this and i pray a blessing on each one here lord as we, we wrap out this, wrap up this, this, this time before we go out into the, the summer season, Lord, we pray that, that you would <clears throat> show yourself strong, Lord, and that we could consider how glorious your grace is, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus. We want you to know, Lord, that we love you. We love you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. <laughs> thank you for your shed blood. And thank you for eternal life. <laughs> and we thank you, Lord, Father God, that we can be called children of God. And that's what we are. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you as we pray in the glorious and mighty name of your Son Jesus and the people of God said, Amen. 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 Okay. Oh, hallelujah the lord's going to give it's going to give some insight into this now who's heard this story before lot lot of people almost everybody it's a famous story it's i'm not calling it an infamous story because <laughs> what jesus does right so in the beginning it says uh And everyone went to his house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives was was a hill. It's still there. (laughs) I praise God. Uh, Just east of Jerusalem, it had uh, olive trees. It was uh, a wonderful place, and Jesus went there often. And sometimes he would spend the night there in prayer. And then verse 2 tells us, Now early in the morning Jesus came again into the temple, and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Now, if I were living in Jerusalem or anywhere in Judea, and, and if Stephen Vula went to my door and, and, and knocked and said, hey, Tony, Jesus of Nazareth is teaching at the temple. <laughs> I would stop everything, and I would go to the temple to hear Jesus teach what a privilege and a blessing that must have been. Amen? Mm. Wow. I don't care what it was. I would drop it and I would go, I want to hear Jesus of Nazareth. And the idea of Jesus being in Judea, Jesus had most of his ministry in Galilee. And he was up there and he he traveled throughout Galilee and, and Samaria and Judea. But even areas beyond that, so this was a glorious day and you see how John says early in the morning well the sun came up and you know what God's word teaches us in the book of Lamentations Jeremiah wrote that his mercies are new every morning right. amen. amen every morning his compassions never fail great is thy faithfulness Lord Lord Great is our faithfulness. God's word says, From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Amen. And here is the Son of God coming in from the east into the temple. The sun rises in the east. The word of the Lord came to Moses as far as back as setting up the tabernacle that wherever Moses and the Israelites set up the tabernacle, it would always face east. It would always face the sunrise. <laughs> Moses obeyed. Then God had given David plans for the temple and it was set up and built by Solomon years later the same way. It faced east. The east side... Hmm. The east side, I'll say it again, the east side faced the sunrise and here's Jesus coming from the east into the temple grounds. And when the sun came up over the horizon, the gold of the temple shone. And and the stone, Herod actually had been working on it and improving it, going all the way back to the the, uh, temple of Zerubbabel. And, and he, was, he was working on it and making it grand and so forth. But at the end of the day, it was still stones and, and gold and, and even the sun. God created the sun to bless us. It gives us light. It gives us warmth, right? But just like trees and mountains, we're not to worship them. But God's word tells us for those jer- making the journey to go to Jerusalem to go to the temple. In Psalm 84, God's word says, for a day in your courts, Lord, is better than a thousand elsewhere. One day in your courts, Lord. That's where Jesus was. He's in the courts, the temple, in Jerusalem. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Hallelujah. (laughs) And here's the Son of God coming in from the east. And and he, he goes into the temple courts and he sits down. I have it here. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Jesus sits down. That's important. Because when we see that in Scripture, that is a position of authority. Because just like when a king comes in his court, uh, the king goes over to his throne and sits down. And his subjects come before him, right? Does that make sense? And in the same way, a judge goes into the courtroom and sits down and presides over the court case, right? It's a position of authority. And here is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords sitting down at the temple courts and teaching the people. Wow. Like I said, if I heard that Jesus was not... (laughs) was in the temple courts that morning. I'm there. I want to hear him. (laughs) I want to hear him teach. Because when Jesus taught, he wasn't teaching like the scribes and the teachers of the law. Because he taught with authority. Jesus said in the Gospel of John chapter 6, the words that he speaks are life. They're spirit and they are life. The flesh counts for nothing. But these words that I speak to you, Jesus said, are life. They are spirit and they are life. And Jesus is the word of God. Living and and in his compassion, teaching the people about God's word, giving them insight. Isn't that glorious? So here we have this setting. Jesus at the temple courts and the people around him listening intently and learning from our Lord. And then, hmm, suddenly, there's an interruption in this beautiful little picture we have here. Because then, <clears throat> the, the, uh, the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had her set in the midst, so he, here they are, they're, they're breaking the whole thing, this, this time of Jesus teaching and blessing the people. And here comes the re- religious officials with a woman all alone, no man, <laughs> and, and brought in. And now she's standing in the midst. And and they say, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that s- such should be stoned and and. That's true. I mean, the Lord covered that, Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 22 through 24. However, they said, What do you say? They're they're testing Jesus. They're accusing her to ultimately bring an accusation against Jesus. They were testing him. What is Jesus going to do? Because he had a reputation for mercy and compassion and love. He would heal people. And and in this situation, they brought her in. And if Jesus had compassion above and beyond the law, that would be grounds right there for his accusation, according to the, the law and so forth. But if he said that, Well, that's what the law says, then then go ahead and stone her. Then he would be in trouble with the Roman government because they had power over Israel and they were the ones who would carry out execution, not the people living there. So he had trouble on both sides. But you know what? You know how Solomon had great wisdom? Jesus said one greater than Solomon is here now. Referring to himself. Jesus could see this whole situation, what they were doing. And he could see that they brought her in with no man. Okay, that's a red flag right there. Where's the, where's the guy? It's just her? <laughs> okay. Number two, there's no witnesses. Witnesses are very important to the Lord. We have written in the book of Deuteronomy, in the, in the Torah, in the law, the first five books of, of the Bible, uh, what we call in Hebrew the Torah, and the Old Testament being the Tanakh. In Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15, the Lord tells us that a matter will be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Who's heard that before? very important to the Lord there was no witnesses in this case just the woman brought in with no man and no witnesses there was a glorious day in the ministry of Jesus when he walked the earth that the Lord was going to show us how important witnesses are to him because one day Jesus went and got Peter James and John and they went up a high mountain. And Jesus changed, his appearance changed right before their eyes. His, his clothes became bright white and his face shone like the sun. Hallelujah. And he was brilliant. And there, suddenly, appeared with Jesus, talking to him, was Moses and Elijah. Who, who remembers this story? The Mount of Transfiguration. Now, Jesus said when he was preaching a sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, if we look closely at what the Lord's doing here, Moses and Elijah are gloriously speaking to Jesus in this glorified state. And we know that the the law was given to Moses. And Elijah was a prophet of God. So here we have Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. And Jesus is getting closer and closer to the hour that he would go to the cross, to his suffering, death, and resurrection. God's glorious pr- plan that would bring about the covenant, the new covenant that Jeremiah wrote about in chapter 31, the covenant of grace. Hallelujah. And Jesus, I believe he needed encouragement. And God the Father sent Moses and he sent Elijah. And everything that was written in, in the law and the prophets leading up to this glorious time when, when Jesus, Messiah, would walk the earth was, was, was happening. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. Now, this, this part was Moses and Elijah as, as witnesses to what is God doing. God is doing in, in, in heaven and earth because God sent them and, and Jesus was in this glorified state so, we have two right there. Moses and Elijah, right? Heaven. And yet, Jesus brought three disciples. Peter, James, and John were there on the mountain. Oh, oh, my God. Wow, Lord, should we build tabernacles? I mean, what? You know, Peter, he was so caught up in it. He really didn't know what he was talking about. But, but he, he wanted to honor the Lord. But they were there. They were witnesses. See? Two or three witnesses and and the Lord was showing all of heaven and earth what his son would do, what he would do obediently, following the father's plan and ultimately going to the cross. And, And by going to the cross and shedding his blood, he would be establishing the new covenant of grace. Amen. Amen. It's so glorious. But that's, that's just one example of, of how important witnesses are to the Lord. And, and as he said in, in Deuteronomy 1915, a matter will be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Peter actually wrote about that. Second Peter chapter one, he described his experience on that, the, the mountain. and By the way, in that whole episode, you have the the two witnesses representing heaven and you have three from earth. Two and three is five, right? Five is the number of grace. And then you have the Father and the Son representing, bearing witness to what the Lord's going to do. Because Jesus was there in his glorified state, right? And the Father spoke from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then he added something that wasn't there at the baptism when John baptized him in the river Jordan. God the Father said, listen to him. Listen to him. So here we have the Father and the Son. There's two. Then we have the the five witnesses, right? Five and two is seven. Seven in God's word is the number of completion, fulfillment, perfection. And that's exactly what Jesus was going to do because he would go to the cross and fulfilling everything that was written about him in the law and the prophets. And he would make a perfect sacrifice. In fact, he is our perfect high priest who never sinned. And he willingly went to the cross, the the spotless, blameless, pure lamb of God. And he shed his blood. To take away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. 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 Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus willingly, willingly did that. So he's showing us there how important witnesses are. And, and in this case here, back at the temple court in Jerusalem on this glorious day, Jesus is there, right? And he sees what they're doing. There's no witnesses. And there's no man. So, uh, Jesus, the next step, he says, hmm, Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. That's interesting. You ever wonder about that? Why? That's everything going on. Here's Jesus' reaction to that. Okay, remember he's over here teaching having a great time, getting in the word, you know, being blessed. The Holy Spirit is just bringing multiple blessings, <laughs> you know, honoring God. Hallelujah. And then the, the religious officials barge in. They have this whole thing with the woman caught in adultery. So it stops. So Jesus is transitioning more from teacher to judge. How is he going to handle this case? So what does Jesus do? He stoops down to the ground he starts writing his finger on the ground. Isn't that interesting? Why would Jesus do that? Why would John record that? Exodus 31, 18. It's not we don't. Oh. Wah. <laughs> 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 okay. It's all right, Lord. We we will press on. Tell us where it
0: is, right?
1: We'll go. Exodus? Chapter 31 and verse 18. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you. Ain't no doubt about it. The Word of God says, and when... uh, When the Lord had made an end of speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. In the temple courts, it's not just ground, it's not just dirt, there's stone laid all across. This is most likely happening in the court of the Gentiles, a huge area around the temple in Jerusalem. And Jesus, see what he's doing? He's he's bending down, stooping down, and he's writing. See where he's going with that? Just like when Moses received the law written by the finger of God on stone, the stone on the ground at the temple courts, I mean, are you tracking with me? So Jesus is going back to the law. Hmm. 1,500 years ago, who was the one who gave Moses the law? <laughs> and here they are bringing this case in. And so Jesus now is going to make the, the, the awesome, as he, he's again, he's making the reference to the law. He's writing on the stone, on the ground at the temple, right? He straightens himself up and he says, he who is without sin can cast the first stone. And then he went back. Wow. Now verse 9 says that the, the, the elders, or the, uh, <clears throat> originally the, uh, the Pharisees and the scribes who were there started to think about that. Like now Jesus was getting to him now, oh hallelujah. Hey, Nicodemus was a, a Pharisee, and so was uh, Joseph of Arimathea. They were in the Sanhedrin, <laughs> hallelujah. And by the way, the apostle Paul was a Pharisee, and he could even been here at this day. He was there when they did stone Stephen, right outside of the temple grounds, amen? He was there, watching the cloaks, giving his approval. I mean, that's just speculation, but when Jesus said that, they started to think about it, and and if you go back, uh, this is not on the screen, I'll just read it to you real quick. Uh, First one is uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 20 and verse 9. If you want to jot down notes, that's fine, Um, but Proverbs 29 says, who can say, I have made my heart clean and I am pure from sin? Who can honestly say that? And again, they, th- this is where Solomon built the temple. This is what Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs. He also wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, Solomon wrote, um, Ecclesiastes 7.20, he said, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. Maybe they were, they were contemplating that when they heard Jesus. And maybe they understood the reference. But in any case, if they were holding stones, you know, the rocks that they had found to stone this, this poor woman... I think at that point, and it says, God's word says, the eldest, the older man, thinking it through and realizing, wow, well, I see where he's going with that. And, and this stone that I had to, to injure, injure her and, and potentially kill her, you know what? I'm dropping it to the ground. He said he was without sin, can cast the first stone. Well, hmm, their conscience convicted them. The Holy Spirit was working. Well, I can't can't honestly say I've lived my whole life on this earth and never sinned. I never broke the law? Because even when, when Moses, if you think about this for a minute, when Moses received the law, he had two tablets of stone, remember that? Maybe, I don't know if, if we have people that watched the Ten Commandments, that movie, years ago. <laughs> Charles Heston. <laughs> that, might be, that might be a stretch. But in any case, Moses had these two tablets of stone. He comes down off Mount Sinai, right? And here is Aaron, for, for, what, for whatever reason, making a golden calf. And the people acting in, in a terrible way, dishonoring the Lord their God. And Moses is coming down to this experience, and he's he's so enraged that he takes the tablets of stone that he just got inscribed by the finger of God, and what did he do? He threw them to the ground, and they broke, that he just got from the Lord on the mountain. But Moses was acting prophetically because the law would be broken, the tablets of stone that had the law were broken. And Israel had the law for 1500 years. The Lord allowed that much time for them to realize that no one can keep the law and and be without sin. No one can do it. They can try as hard as they they might, but it's not going to happen. So that is, is pointing them in a direction where the people s- see that I'm a sinner and I need a savior, amen? So, here Jesus is, is, you know, giving them time, they're dropping the rocks, they're leaving, one by one, the oldest, and then they're down to the youngest, and, and they're all gone. Now, Jesus did something else, that was very important. After he said that, the wise statement, seeing everything they were doing, said, so, okay, he who is without sin may cast the first stone. And Jesus went back. Okay. Why did he go back again the second time? And write with his finger on the stone on the ground at the temple courts. Hmm. Because God told Moses, Moses, I want you to chisel out two more tablets of stone and I want you to come up this mountain again and we're gonna do it again. (laughs) Hallelujah. And Moses obeyed and he went and he got the two tablets of stone and early that morning, hmm, (laughs) Moses went up the mountain And Moses proceeded to spend 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread. He didn't have food. He didn't even drink water. I don't know if he even slept. But Moses was in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Maybe he didn't even think about food. (laughs) He was with the Lord. And the Lord made sure that the tablets of stone would have the law. The law was great and glorious and according to Deuteronomy chapter 28, there was tremendous blessing for those of Israel, God's chosen people that he loved, his treasure, his special people on earth and from them would come Messiah, our Lord Jesus. But according to Deuteronomy chapter 28, there was great blessing for those who would obey the law. Amen? So, Moses has the two tablets of stone again ins- with the inscription on it from the finger of God and Moses comes down again after 40 days and 40 nights and he comes down but this time you know what they were preserved and by the word of the law the, uh, by the word of the Lord <clears throat> the law was to be placed in the ark of the covenant who's heard of the ark of the covenant Many, many people, all right, good. So there was a lid there. There was a lid across, so the large uh, wooden box made of acacia wood overlaid with gold inside and out. And there was a lid there and the, the lid could be lifted and the two tablets of stone, the law was placed there and then the lid was put back. The lid had a name, had two names, very interesting. One was called the atonement cover, and the other, also known as the mercy seat. Who's heard that before? The mercy seat. See, the Ark of the Covenant also represented Jesus <clears throat> or, or God, the Lord, the Lord God, Yahweh of Israel, being enthroned between the cherubim because there were two angels on the side of it and it was representing almost a seat or a throne the mercy seat where the lord would be enthroned between the cherubim and and the the people could go just like king hezekiah did in time of distress to go and seek the lord and to pray and and to know that god cared about his people and he loved them and he would be there and he brought great deliverance just like during the reign of king hezekiah when the enemy came against him but the idea was <clears throat> the, uh, the lid was known as the atonement cover. And the, uh, the idea was one day a year, the high priest would go in with the blood of bulls and goats and, and he, would, he would carefully go in and apply, he would sprinkle the blood on the atonement cover. And God would bring about forgiveness for His people, but it's only by the shedding of blood that we have remission of sin, according to Hebrews 9:22. And, and, the idea of the angels on the the, uh, the mercy seat or the atonement cover, God told Moses to a where the high priest came in and applied the blood. The the atonement cover was over the law. The law speaks of us as sinners. The atonement cover with the blood speaks of the blood of Jesus, who willingly shed his blood on the cross. And when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. Though we broke the law, he, he looks at the blood. He sees you as righteous through his son Jesus. And he loves you. And, and the idea of God's character of, of mercy. Jesus was letting them know when they brought the woman in, okay, the whole idea of the law is leading up, again, to that fulfillment. The covenant, the new covenant, just like Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 31, 31. The new covenant of grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Hallelujah. That's so good, I have to read it to you right there. Um, this is Romans <clears throat> chapter 3. Yeah, you can turn to this one. This is, um, this is a few verses. Romans chapter 3. But, you know, it's so amazing. This is right, this is right at the temple grounds in Jerusalem. The temple with the, the Holy of Holies is right there. Possibly a few hundred yards from where Jesus was teaching them. And in a short time from that day, Jesus would be led out as the Lamb of God, the Passover lamb, according to 1 Corinthians 5, 7, and his shed blood, just like the Lord showed Israel that it was the blood of the lamb that kept them from death and preserved their life in Egypt. Remember that? The the blood was applied to the doorposts and, and the lintel and the angel of death passed over. And they had life. Jesus brings life. And, and he was showing them time after time after time. And so Paul writes here, this is in uh, Romans chapter 3. I'll pick it up in verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. When we have the law, we realize, hmm, nobody can keep it. It's not rocket science. <laughs> that's, that's the fact of the matter. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Remember, Moses and Elijah, hallelujah. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, hallelujah, there's the faith again. To all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So, here we go. By the way, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome who was Saul of Tarsus, a Pharisee of Pharisees, and a Hebrew of Hebrews, and who went around persecuting the church until the day that he encountered Jesus. And then the scales fell from his eyes, and Paul could see, okay, I see what you're doing, law. It's not law, it's grace. It's grace. And, and the idea at the end, when Jesus, when Jesus is, is there, what a, what a moment that must've been. All the accusers were were gone, the rocks down, they all left. Jesus making his point. (laughs) Hallelujah. So where, where are your accusers? Is there no one left here to bring the accusation? you know you used to look closely at what she said she said no one Lord <laughs> she didn't say you know uh, some other term she said Lord no one Lord you can imagine what she was going through in the middle of all this being standing accused and, and, and looking to Jesus for redemption you see that picture too And Jesus showing mercy. And and he says, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Hmm. You remember what Romans 8, 1 said? Hallelujah. (laughs) I'm going to share this and one more verse and we're done. Because it looks like it's 8 o'clock. Paul wrote Romans chapter eight, verse one. There is therefore no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? Hallelujah. You see, it's, it's so glorious when we realize that this condemnation is gone, that we're a child of God and we have received that gift, that free gift, because we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. And not by works, so no man can boast. That's again, that's going back to the law, but it's not by works. It's simply the grace of God. Hallelujah. And he said, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, that God has prepared in advance for us to do, uh, Ephesians 2.10. And while we're doing that, while we're walking in those, those works that God prepared us for, you know what? His grace is sufficient to empower us to do those exact works that the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, prepared specifically for you, that you may walk in them in blessing and protection. And, and favor, and grace. His grace is sufficient. And God, our, our glorious Father in heaven, is honored and glorified when we trust him, we have faith and we walk in that. And we're we're a witness for Jesus. We, we can show the love of Jesus to, to a people in a lost and dying world that desperately need him. They're not gonna come right out and tell us that. But, they need him. Amen? Amen. So, I I implore you, this summer, as we go, as we're going to wrap up, I implore you, this summer, and as you're led by the Holy Spirit of God, that the Lord would give you an opportunity to go up and tell somebody, you ready? God loves you. Three words words. Can you do that? You you, you don't have to know a lot of scripture. You can have a testimony ready and and you you can show the love of Jesus. But sometimes just somebody in the world hearing that, that's all they needed to hear. God loves you. And you know what? You're telling them the truth because God created them and wants them to spend eternity with Him in glory, Amen. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will open that door, that you will you will have the unction, you will be bold, like Dr. Joe was talking about the the uh, Believers' Prayer, Acts chapter four. There, they they prayed for boldness, but you know what? That's not real complicated. Remember three words: <laughs> God loves you, Amen. This is the final verse and I'm done. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, I got no, I got to share this one. I got kind of thrown off because of that. But uh, James, I got to tell you this one. <clears throat> Just cut and dry. James 2.13. You know what James 2.13 says? Hallelujah. Mercy triumphs over judgment. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. And uh, Ephesians 4.32. This is it and uh i don't want to I don't want to keep people back there. I know what it's like in area kids. we've got a bunch of kids running around <laughs> and we're looking for the parents but um <laughs> ephesians four thirty two Paul wrote, and just wrapping up just a little life application again the three words what are the three words again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh thank you Jesus, that blessed my heart, just hearing that right there <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32. And Paul writes, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. When we know we are forgiven. And we consider how glorious God's grace is that that will inspire us and encourage us to be quick to forgive others. Because you know what? We'll have plenty of opportunities to forgive people. (laughs) Almost every day. Can I get an amen to that? (laughs) Stuff happens. We're not in heaven yet. We're still here. (laughs) But by that forgiving, that mercy, that grace, you know what? The Lord is honored. And, And you're shown the love of God. And it's so important. So... I'm believing that we're going to hear some testimonies about that. When the Lord gives you a little nudge, that person sitting right there is to walk over. If you have to have a little prayer for the boldness of the Holy Spirit to go over there, <clears throat> hey, I felt inspired to tell you, God loves you. <laughs> That's it. Amen. Amen. It's really that simple. And the Holy Spirit working work in that. Do you believe that? All right. Jesus is Lord.
0: <laughs> Man, I'm going to miss Wednesday nights. Just for a few weeks. And then we'll get back together August 2nd. And that'll be a, we're going to eat. That'll be a night. That'll be a feast. August second, gonna be a feast. So it's gonna be good. Hey, we got some books out here. Those books that are sitting out here, the reason they're out in the foyer is for you to like buy them and like read them. They're they're probably th- these are books that probably have impacted me more than any other books. That's why they're out there. And so if you buy one of those books that are sitting out there, which we're gonna sell them to you for ten bucks. It'll, you know they'll give you something to do over the next six weeks. Where you can read one of these, they're phenomenal. Uh, Glory on your house is uh, an incredible book about how to bring the presence of God to your house. And they're just, you know, one of them is about the Book of Ruth. One of them is how to live a spirit-filled life, spirit-filled living. They're, they're fantastic books. So I just want to encourage you with that. Zoe's not here, is she? Zoe's not here. What a beautiful picture of the mercy seat being on top of the I've never seen that. Where are you at, Tony? I've never I've never thought about the mercy seat being placed on top of the commandments. That's a powerful powerful picture. A powerful picture. Thanks for listening to the East Side Church podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website eastsidechurch.co.